All right, it's time for a little ad break. Ever wonder what a unicorn eats for breakfast? Okay, I don't actually know, but I do know that 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot, and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, marketing, and support. Plus, they have a huge collection of resources to help startups scale. And with the HubSpot for Startups program, you can save big on your first year. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot, go to HubSpot.com slash startups. Uh-huh. Yeah. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. Uh, I put my all in it like no days off. On the road, let's travel, never looking back. We are live. My apology, guys. I was just saying I was late today. I'm Sean's normally the late one. I've been late twice in a row now. My apologies. Sean, that was a dig at you, which... I thought it was a compliment. Uh, you know, I, I'm not late. I thought that's how I took it. You are not late. It is me. Um, but we are with Steph Smith. Steph Smith is my coworker. Steph uh, runs trends and is just like a creator at our company. We kind of just tell her to do stuff. And she does a great job. I met Steph. How did I meet you, Steph, on Twitter? I think so. You reached out. I wrote an article. I wrote a year ago and you reached out based on that. And Steph's article, it had one of the better headlines I've read. I'm a big copywriter headline fan and it was to be great just consistently be good right yeah something like that um, exactly and it was a great headline but so we're gonna have Steph here but before we get into that Sean I did meet up with Ty Lopez texted me uh last night and he goes hey I'm in New York do you want to uh meet up and <laughs> oh so shit I met up with him um uh, for about an hour and we talked about how to hire how to uh mostly how to hire and a bunch of great stuff He's cool, man. Ty's a cool dude. You like he's, uh, he's changed my perspective. I've, I've changed on him. Uh, how swole was he? He's big. He is a buff dude. His dad was a professional bodybuilder, he said. So he definitely has could those he, genetics. Uh, could he beat you up? I, he's probably stronger than me, but no. I think that uh, I probably am 20 years younger than him. So I haven't. There's a feistiness inside you that uh, he is not aware of. Uh, you don't think he's aware? I think people are aware. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I don't need to talk about beating Ty up. I like Ty. He's my friend now. Um, what are we going to talk about today? Steph came with like a list of ideas, which I always love when people do this. She, it's a six page list. So I think this is going to be like a 26 part episode. All right, Steph. So did we do you justice introducing you or did we leave out any important bits? I think you did me justice. I work on trends at at Sam's company, The Hustle, and I create stuff for fun. I think that's a pretty quick summary of what I do. She has okay. a good uh, personal website, stephsmith.io. And uh, Steph is just like, you, you know, there's like this whole community, Sean. They're called indie hackers. You know what they are? Yeah, of course. Steph is like the definition of an indie hacker. It's like this weird, nerdy community of dorks who build awesome stuff. She's better than 99% of the indie hackers I've ever met. Um, <laughs> the most of the indie hackers I've met build stuff and they never get it to anyone. Um, like there's like zero distribution uh, muscle. And so I got to give her credit because she actually like writes stuff that people read, builds stuff that people see. And I think that's like a pretty big separator. That's a line in the sand. Like there's one line in the sand, which is like you make nothing or you make something. All right, cool. And then it's like you make something and people see it and like it or nobody ever hears about it. You know, it's just a, a tree in the forest. And so I got to give you credit. Uh, but, and also your website is awesome. I just, Thank like you. five minutes, five minutes before this, I messaged her. I was like, hey, who made your website? She's like, I made it. 
I was like, what? And then I just offered to buy the template. I was like, I wouldn't, I want to, I want one of those. Can I have that? <laughs> like, can I have a website as cool as yours? So uh, it's definitely awesome. You should check it out. All right. We need to stop uh, just like uh, sucking up to Steph. Sucking up to Steph. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. And I'm super stoked to be here. But yeah, happy to jump, jump into some of these ideas if you guys want. Yeah. And so what's, by what's the way, Sean, I think Steph listens to most ep- episodes we do, which is weird. Definitely. I've listened to every single one. Great. God, so you have so good odd. taste too. Um, all right. So uh, what are some of the ideas that, that you know, you're interested in right now? Cool. So the first one I'll start out with and throw out there is uh, remote slash work from home stuff, which I know I feel like everyone listening to this is doing a little eye roll because it's like the most common thing that people bring up. But I feel like most of the things that people are talking about in this space, they're either like collaboration tools, the next Zoom, they're just basically taking stuff that's already out there and being like, how, how can I use my skills to create exactly this? And I don't think that's, you know, there's a lot of room for that right now. But what I do think there's room for is a lot of other niche ideas. If you just kind of start from the fundamentals of what does like a remote worker need, what are the new gaps that exist? So let me talk about a couple of them. The first one is just how benefits change for especially large companies. So if you think about companies like Google, um, Facebook, Amazon, they're known in the past for having these like incredible offices. This is, um, you know, perks in general are one of the things that they actually use as a competitive edge um, to bring talent in. And so with everyone remote, how do these companies still have an edge? Well, you, you can't really, at least I think right now they don't, but they can start to develop it and other companies can develop it as well. So there's some cool companies that I found that, um, couple of them are Hopier, Hopier.com, June.io. Another one's called Comp.io, C-O-M-P-T. Um, and basically these companies are kind of um, identifying all of these new types of benefits that remote companies can have. So it's anything from like mental health support to, um, you know, at home fitness. But I did a Twitter thread the other day and there was some really interesting ideas. Um, one of them was just you know, a stipend so that people can uh, spend on Upwork so that they don't have to do all the shitty stuff that they don't yeah, want to do. And that was, uh, <laughs> I think the guy who came up with that, Sean, wasn't he on the pod? Uh, I didn't see it. What's his name? Chris, was it Chris Back? I oh, saw Chris, it. There yeah. was a guy that, that came up with that and it was Aki. a really yeah. viral. I think thread. that was him. And so basically Steph, his thing said, uh, our perk towards employees is we give $500 a month for Upwork. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's it's basically like, okay, what are all the things that you hate doing in your job? How can we make those disappear for very little cost to us? And that actually, you know, this is a net benefit to us because now you have this much more time to be an awesome employee, do what we actually hired you to do. Um, and so that's one benefit. But then there's all types of stuff like, you know, I've heard of people like buying their employees like wine or beer subscriptions, anything from like companies actually starting to pay. Yeah. Maids pay for their internet, their utilities. It's like, what are like all the things that you would normally pay for? Like in an office, you're paying for utilities, you're paying for a maid, you're paying for these things to make your employees' lives easier, better. And how does that kind of switch? So now that everyone's working from home and then as I mentioned, how do these big companies kind of get a competitive edge and say, hey, we're going to make your lives awesome. We're going to make you want to join this company because it's going to be, you know, just so easy for you to work at home and you're going to love it. And so So, I think there's a huge opportunity. The the examples you have are Hoppier, H-O-P-P-I-E-R.com and June.io. Those two seem pretty much like like the same exact thing, right? How big do you think these are? 
So I think they're just starting, and I was researching some of these before this, and I think Hoppier especially, that was actually a company that pivoted. They used to do like in-office snacks, like they were actually targeting companies that had offices and they're like, okay, well that's gone, at least for now. What do we do to like fill this gap? And I think from what I saw, most of these companies operate where they actually, they just give, they say, hey, the hustle, you want to give your employees like 50 bucks every month to spend on whatever. And there's this like assortment of things that you can spend that on. And then, you know, the hustle pays, I think like five bucks a month per head extra to have Hoppier, like figure out the logistics and all this. I think the, there's opportunity to extend this in a couple ways. Like one, if you've ever, have you ever heard of this site, Key Values? keyvalues.io so it's an awesome site and it's it's run by one person and it's just this site that basically aggregates like the key values the key things that an engineer looking for a company would want and it kind of isolates okay if you care about like lunches with your team then like these companies do that if you care about remote before everyone was doing it remote these companies do that let me ask you well i'll ask you about this in a second but do is this how big is this key values thing you think dot io or com Keyvalues.io, or sorry, .com, sorry. It's How big com. is this? So I know, I don't know the exact run rate, but it's one person doing it. And I know she gets a couple thousand dollars from each of these companies per year to be on this website. Because it's, again, it's kind of like, this is a B2, uh, B2B site where companies are like, look, I want our company to look good. I want, you know, even if I get like one engineer from this, um, who's awesome, then it's worth the like 3K I spend. So I don't think this is like a, a venture scale business at all, but for an individual, they could go do the same thing with this like remote benefits idea. And I think they could kill it. So there's, there's two like interesting variations of this, right? One is how do I use money to make my people more productive? Uh, so obviously you can get great tools, but another thing might be, well, if I'm always worried about, you know, my health benefits, or if I have to clean my house because I'm working at home and that's just a task I do, that's an hour I spend doing something that's not work. Right. So this was like the Google thing, which is like, Hey, just come into work and stay here. We'll feed you. Uh, you don't have to worry about that. We'll do your laundry. You don't have to worry about that. Right. These really weren't like retention perks so much as they were more like what I'll call productivity perks. They knew they could squeeze an extra two hours out of each person's day by automating away a bunch of the, the, the busy work that they had to do to run their lives. And, um, and so there's, there's perks like that that exist. And then there's the perks that are like, these perks say something about us. These are our recruiting perks. Um, these are, you know, we're trying to make our people happier and feel like they're at a company that's like aligned with them at their core. Um, and that's where, you know, you, you get something like key values or, you know, I know right now at our company, there was a big like hoopla about like, are you going to match charitable donations that we make? And there was like a lot of like pushback of like, why isn't the company matching? And I was like, dude, cause the company doesn't have to match. Like that's a crazy expectation that the company should just donate to your favorite cause because you decided to donate. They, they, you know, so it was crazy to me that it was so expected and anger was out there. Right. But this is, you know, I guess a thing that people care about and where they work. And this is where me and Sam both, I think, kind of agree where we're like, God, everybody's so coddled and soft. We got, uh, I got it. I, someone at our, at our, at our company, and that's cool. If he's listening to this, that's great. Continue sharing your opinion, but I'm going to disagree with it. But they shared their opinion in our Slack of saying, we should do a percentage of sales to this charity or something. And I was like, no not a chance, <laughs> not a chance. Like we can give money away sometimes, but like to say a percentage of sales, no. Right. And so, so I think, you know, the interesting thing about these 
tools is that they're arming companies with different ways to either solve the productivity problem or solve the, you know, what I'll call the, the values, uh, the values opportunity with, um, with their employees. And I like the, I like the Upwork example. I like the cleaning, uh, you know, hire a cleaning person example. Um, I think those are some things that, that do make sense because I've seen the, the expenditure of what, you know, what our company would, would spend on office, um, you know, just office cleaners, power, insurance, like just the, the, the net money that goes into paying for a commercial building. Um, you have a lot of, if you're not paying for that anymore, you have a lot of buffer to go around that you can either drop to the bottom line or you can like stipend out in some way. So our lease in San Francisco was about 15 grand a year. Um, and then probably add another 3000, uh, on top of that for just random stuff. Uh, yeah, we're maybe 5,000. We're, we're definitely saving probably close to a quarter of a million and we're a 30 person company. Right. Did you do any, uh, unusual perks like at, at the hustle or any, any company yeah. you've ever been at? Have you ever done any unorthodox perks? What would you do? The one that people love that I don't think is that special, but people love it is unlimited Amazon books. That's a good one. Unlimited is like capped at five. So that, that's kind of like the values thing, right? Because you love books and you're like me. We just buy any book. If somebody says it's good, you just immediately buy it. Yeah. Um, and, and another thing that we've done in the past and people are like, oh, well, it's so generous of you. And I'm like, dude, I'm doing it because you're going to make me more money, which is um, if Steph or anyone wants to go to anything educational related, even if training. it's kind of related to her job and it'll cost five grand. I'm like, yeah, go. I don't care. That's cool. Um, and, and I'm like, I, and I tell them, I'm like, it's very selfish of me. I want you to be better and more valuable and you'll make us more money. So I Steph, think great. did these things matter to you or, or not? You know, they're nice to have, but they weren't like key decisions. I mean, I think the, the learning one is definitely huge. And Sam, like he, he puts his uh, money where his mouth is. Like he's willing to, you know, if you come, he actually approached me one day and he's like, hey, here's this $3,000 course, like looks really good. You want to do it? And I actually had done the course. It was Reforge, but uh, he's definitely... Uh, very keen on like helping people educate through like reskilling. So I think it's awesome to be fair to your point. I don't know if it always moves the needle, but it is kind of like a signaling thing and helps your, your employees right. stay happy. Um, we but did one that was uh, like, I think, I think people will emulate something like this where we basically, we created a bonus pool that was tied to our KPI. So it's tied to user growth. So the more the, I said, this pool is going to start at $5,000 a month and as it grows, it, uh, as, as our user, user base grows, this pool is going to grow. And I showed kind of how it's going to grow. And then I said, uh, every month you're get, we're going to uh, be voting. Peer's going to vote on uh, who kicked ass this month. And uh, I get a double vote because I get to see a lot more of what you guys are doing. You guys don't all see each other's stuff. So me and our, our, our CTO, we both got like two votes. And, um, and this did two things. One, it was like it forced all of our engineers who are, you know, totally allergic to emotions to like, exhibit some appreciation for each other. Like they would, you'd have to write why, why this person kicked ass and we would read them out. And so people were like, it was like this forced kind of awkward thing, but people liked hearing good things. Was that effective, Sean, for motivating? I felt it was effective, but again, maybe I'm biased. Maybe you'd have to ask one of the engineers how effective, but the, 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 I know the part that they really liked, which was you get the money. And so we said, uh, there's a first and second place. So the first place got 4K, the second place got 1K. And the rule was, this is not like money to live your life. Like we pay you well enough. You get, you know, you get a handsome salary as an engineer in Silicon Valley. You don't need, you know, grocery money. Um, this goes towards something that you wouldn't otherwise buy for yourself, but you'd love to have. So it was only experiences, travel, 
uh, like learning opportunity. So like Jason Hitchcock used it to get a stylist and he like redid his whole wardrobe and another person did it to first time traveling outside the country. They didn't even have a passport before this. And so they really liked those things. Um, And then our only rule was, you know, you got to tell the story to the team about what you blew your money on um, in an entertaining way when you're done. And uh, so that I thought was awesome, but like it was very tedious for me to set up. All right, I want to take a quick break to talk about startup investing. Uh, You know, I'm a big fan of startup investing. I do it myself, but there's many different ways for people to get involved in startup investing. This week's sponsor, Our Crowd, is a new way that I just heard about. You know, if you wish you were early in some of the best performing IPOs of 2019 or 2020, Our Crowd investors were, and you could join them to see what's next. With Our Crowd, any accredited investor can have access to invest directly, easily, and most importantly, early. Our crowd investments have IPO'd like Beyond Meat or been bought by companies like Intel, Nike, Microsoft, and Oracle. Today, you can join Our Crowd's investment in TechSee, a software startup revolutionizing how leading enterprise companies provide remote customer support. You can get early into companies like TechSee or other companies if you go to ourcrowd.com slash the hustle. If you're interested in investing, your account is free. Just go to O-U-R-C-R-O-W-D. That's ourcrowd.com slash the hustle. Can, can I, let me bring something up that I want Steph's opinion on. This is the most interesting thing that she said. She brought up this company and she said it's a one person operation. She has shown me another company that's a one person operation. And Sean, I think is interested in one people, one person, people, operations, businesses. Um, we could, we could extend that to three people, but uh, what are the most interesting one to three person operations you've ever seen? Hmm, that's a good one. Let me think. Uh, if you have one, start. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start thinking Steph about this. Steph has one. I know she does. Well, I mean, there's there's so many these days, but I I just, you know, I'll call out the obvious one that I think a lot of people are familiar with is Peter Lovells. He's a friend of mine, but he he kind of started this like revolution. I mean, he didn't start it, but he really kickstarted a lot of people getting into it. And what I think I'd call out is, you know, years ago before a lot of people were like indie hacking on their own, he did this thing called 12 Startups in 12 Months. And a lot of people just tried to recreate it. I wouldn't actually, you know, say that people should recreate that. They should recreate something that allows them to explore a bunch of things and then exploit them after. But um, basically he started with something called Nomad List and it was just, it was for a problem that he knew very well, you know, classic story. He created, started with, uh, I think a spreadsheet, um, which he posted on Hacker News. And then uh, he just knew exactly who his people were. So he knew that he was looking for digital nomads um, who were looking for places to go. And Nomad List has grown a ton. Now it does probably, I think like half a million a year. Then he expanded that to Remote OK, which also does around half a million a year. And it's all done um, through him. And then I think he, he contracts out his servers to one guy that he pays like, you know, two grand a month for or something. And it's so funny because he's, he's also known for this. Like, you know, a lot of people overcomplicate things. They're like, which framework do I use? And he always, you know, if you follow him on Twitter, I think yesterday he was like, oh, like this business, which brings in X thousands of dollars every month runs off of like one PHP script and all these people on Hacker News are like, <laughs> it was so funny. Actually, if you went on Hacker News, cause it trended there, someone was like, oh, well, I'm sure there's some like deep infrastructure behind this. And he's like, nope, it's, it's actually just more simple than you think. So he's someone that I think a lot of people were inspired by and that I was inspired by too. Is that what you thought she was going to say, Sam? Yeah. She told me about it and mm-hmm. uh, it's fascinating. I think it's cool. His website it's not like he's one of the, f- I always, I call these people nerds. I say I'm a nerd too. So, but he, uh, his branding is pretty sick. Like he's got these cool hype videos. <laughs> like it, it, he's like a cool guy. Like, so anyway, I like that. Um, do you know of any Sean? 
the one I was going to say was sort of like in the, I think there's a lot of these in the creator space or media space, right? Like I think, you know, Joe Rogan is a good example of this where it's basically him and, you know, powerful young Jamie and the two of them have built what's essentially a billion dollar enterprise um, just sitting in a room with a microphone and an internet connection. And there's a bunch of examples of this, like Ben Thompson uh, from Stratechery, right? He's sitting in Taiwan, you know, writing about tech in an email newsletter. And I think it's just him. I don't even know if he has like sort of no, a, his, his young Jamie. I, I, I've heard he's got, he has some people. I think what ends up happening is that, because I always say this too, right? Like uh, I'm, like my next path, I think is going to be very solopreneurish. And um, I think everybody either has, you know, an army of sort of uh, outsourced contractors who deal with, you know, customer service and social media and stuff like that. Or they have like one right-hand man type person that um, is happy to be behind the scenes. Like, uh, you know, I think I talked to the guy from Wait But Why and it's just the two guys and one of them's really the, the public guy and then one of them's the behind the scenes guy and they just they write their blog they do cool shit they buy businesses that are profitable and like that's their that's their show and they just they're happy to just be the two of them working on it um and so i think that there's quite a lot of people in the creator space that create content or media companies like joe with joe rogan being i would say the biggest example all right i'm gonna give you a bigger example do you know matt drudge have you guys ever heard of drudge report steph's canadian so she maybe doesn't know what it is yeah, you, but... you've told me about it I've heard of you it. Know, Dr- okay, so Drudge Report, uh, conservative or right-wing, I don't know what you want to call it, news aggregator. It's drudgereport.com or org, or I don't know what it is, but it says, Sean, it looks like I can see in your glasses. It looks like you're reading it right now. Yeah. If you scroll to the bottom right, it'll show you how many page views it has had in the last 30 days. Does it say? Uh, let me go see. Past 30 days, uh, 733 million. Just a cool 730 mil. So 730 million. Let's assume they get a $10 CPM across, probably $14 to be, uh, it could be. So what's that? So do 750 million uh, divided by a thousand equals, I can't remember. It's like seven, seven million. So 10 let's million? multiply that by, let's say $8 cause he's conservative. So we probably, people ban him all the time for advertisers. Let's say $8. So 6 million a month, I bet is what this guy makes. Uh, and the rumor is, is that he has, it's uh, just him and one other person. And he's been doing it since 1996. For the record, not bigger than Joe Rogan, but. Uh... Dude, what are you talking about? <laughs> that's, re- that's revenue of $72 million a year. Yeah, Joe Rogan's making more of that off Spotify now. No, he is. He has a deal that is potentially up to a hundred million, I believe, over a few years. I think it's per year. And I would say, okay, yeah, Joe Rogan's great. His setup's great, <laughs> but I think this guy's setup is way better because anyone can be at it. Anyone can anyone can add those links. All it is is a lame ass website with just random links. Anyone can do that. <laughs> also, this guy's been doing it since 1996. And it used to be even bigger than it is now. It, right. he, was, he was the guy that broke the Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton scandal. So this guy's been around doing this for a long ass time. So his, I bet you he's made, if you told me he's made a billion dollars off this website over the course of a lifetime, I wouldn't be surprised. BuzzFeed News has him at 30 million in ad revenue per month. There you 30 go. 30 million per month. Wow. Incredible. Dude, it's um, nuts. The, the, the bit, my favorite kind of like gut rich lucky story, by the way, which I think is a different question is... I bumped into somebody who was, and their friend came over and started talking to us. And when the friend walked away, um, my friend goes, you know, that guy has a crazy story. He's, you know, he has a successful company. He's like, but he basically became a billionaire because when he was starting up, 
uh, his office was, you know, uh, where the Google guys were starting. They were like right next door. Um, and so they needed server space when they were, I think they're still at Stanford at this time. And um, they needed server, they needed more servers. And so he was like, oh yeah, you can like rent some servers from me. Like I'll just, you know, you, I'll, I'll host you. And he started renting them servers and, they, you know, they just paid him in Google shares. And uh, so he became like a, like a billionaire just renting a, a few servers to the Google guys super, super early on. Well, you heard the story about the guy who did that at Facebook, right? He, uh, the painter? David Cho. They're like, hey, can you paint, paint some graffiti on our wall? And he goes, yeah, all right, yeah. it's like only 50 grand. And they go, how about 50 grand in stock? And he goes, oh, yeah, okay. And so he made $100 million off of it. Yeah, not, not all lottery tickets, you know, are printed. So, so, so some of these are pretty amazing. All right, Steph, you have a whole bunch more ideas. We should, we should jump into them. So you want to talk more remote work or you want to shift to a different uh, kind of area? I've got lots of remote work stuff, but let's move on just so we get more diversity. Um, kind of tied to one of the, what we were just talking about, how there's like, you know, a lot of celebrities have their own digital space, but most of the time they're focusing on social, they're focusing on deals with big companies like Spotify. Uh, one of the opportunities we called out in the trends group recently is uh, this opportunity to almost become like the uh, agency for celebrity websites. Um, and if you actually go to many celebrity websites, like a shocking number of them, they're really, really bad. And so we called out a couple of them. Drake's was like a one-page site that went to like a broken link. Uh, Roger Federer, who does, you know, his net worth is 450 million. If you go to his page, it's like broken CSS, like completely unreadable. Looks like it's from the 90s. Um, David Copperfield, who like surprisingly has a net worth of 875 million. His site doesn't have an SSL. Again, looks like it's like from the 80s even. And so what's amazing is that these people have so much money, but because they're in a particular industry, they're a little bit shielded from like the potential of creating their own, you know, digital home. A lot of them go to Instagram, a lot of them go to TikTok, um, or just don't really believe in, in or really see the opportunity on these sites. What's uh, so, Drake's website? I like Google Drake and nothing comes up. Yeah, I can't Drake, find Drake's website. I was doing well, the same. So I don't even know if it's, maybe it's not even his, his official website, but that's what come up. If you looked up, if, when I looked up Drake, it's like drakeofficial.com. And now it's actually looks like it's even more broken <laughs> than before. It looks like it might even be down. I Google Drake official and it, October's very own comes up, number one. Yeah. I don't even know what that is. Interesting. Well, there you go. So, and then even in addition to Drake, I looked up a ton of celebrities Many of them don't even have a site at all. Jennifer Garner, Ryan Reynolds, like just tons of famous people who don't have a site at all. And I think, you know, you probably wouldn't start with people of that size because one, like they're doing pretty well on their own. They clearly don't care about it. And so it would be a little bit of an uphill battle to try to convince these people like, hey, I'm going to create a great site for you. But I stumbled upon this spreadsheet of, I think we shared it at The Hustle and it's Cameo's highest earners. And so what's interesting here is that Cameo is, you know, anyone on Cameo is like doing well enough to be on Cameo, but not doing well enough to like not, not be on Cameo. Yeah. That's <laughs> right? how you, like, by the way, that's like the secret. That's how you see which celebrities are broke. You go to Cameo and then you sort by cheapest. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, you're like, okay, if you're, if you're doing well, you're not going to create like a $30 TikTok video for someone. And so if you go here, what I would do if I was someone just like who could build websites really well, um, I would just go down this list and just go to each of these people's websites, see if they even have a website and just be like, Hey, like, this is how your website could look this. You could even build it for them. If you know how to build a website quickly, be like, I'll sell you this website for X, you know, either X dollars or X shares of, of your products that you sell through it. And I think 
you could just make a killing because so many of the peop- of people in, in kind of like media entertainment have no idea how to do tech well. And so I do think it's a little bit of an uphill battle, but I think if you're able to get crack into this, like there's so much opportunity. What do you think, Sean? Uh, yeah, I kind of love this one. Um, I wouldn't do it as an agency because fuck agencies. And I also wouldn't try to sell it back to them because you're selling to a, a one buyer party. So you have no leverage. Um, so I would instead, I would take advantage of the fact that you have really, really popular names that get searched all the time that don't own the you know definitive domain about that name. And I would figure out a way to auto generate, you know, uh, you know, news about Drake or Drake's like biggest fans or whatever. Like I would basically take their full name, you know, dot com or, you know, official at the end or something like that. And I would make it a kind of a fan page slash news site that just aggregates their Instagram posts, their Twitter posts, puts information, you know, their wiki page, their net worth, like all the things that people want to hear about, like who are they married to? Is their wife hot? You know, like if you just go look at what people Google about celebrities, like is this person gay? Um, You know, I would try to rank number one on SEO for this person's name and all the questions about this person. And then um, I would just monetize through, you know, one of the following. I would either, you know, just do AdSense um, and not bother ever selling this back to them. Um, or I would create some kind of like paid text list to get some kind of like, you know, updates. And then I would potentially sell them that be like, Hey, anytime you want to sell something, I have your most loyal fans. I have like 3000 of your most loyal fans. Whenever you have new tickets, new shows, new merch, new, whatever, um, you know, you just tell me and I will text it to them. And then, you know, we cut a deal of how much revenue share I get. And I would, I would start doing deals that way way later, but I would, I would just start totally permissionless, um, initially. I love that because when we when we talked about that in the trends group, there was pushback with people being like, yeah, you know, I think the biggest problem here is that some celebs just don't care. And I love that approach because it's just like, you know, it doesn't matter if they don't care. I'm going to go take all the search volume of people trying to look yeah. for something. Take advantage of captured. the fact that they don't care. Right. Yeah, like they exactly. clearly don't care. Uh, so how can I how can I benefit from them not caring? Well, I'm going to sound like a broken record. I'm going to make it. What I would do is make them make their landing page just an email capture form mostly um and so they would build a big email list i um i i actually had an idea similar to this before i started the hustle i mocked up this business where i noticed that um so like it was this was obvious back then so it wasn't like crazy but musicians only made their money basically off of concerts and i used to use this website called Songkick in order to find um, which concerts were coming towards me to me. And I was like, man, like if my favorite band had my email address and my zip code, they should just email me when they're coming or they should just like talk to me on a regular basis and get me to buy stuff from them on a regular basis. And so I went and actually pitched a handful of bands where I was like, you guys, let me build this website for you. And the way it's going to work is that I'm going to ask people their zip code and they're going to be notified on a regular basis when you're going to be near and I'll teach you how to sell stuff to them. I didn't go through with it because I don't think musicians have enough money to pay what I wanted to make, but it was in a similar vein. And I think it's quite interesting. All right. I really like that one. Steph, you're on a roll. Give me another one. All right, cool. So the next one is HIPAA compliance and it could be other kind of legal compliance things as a service. And so the reason I'm pulling this one up is because so a lot of people, if you don't know what HIPAA is, it was started in 1996 under Bill Clinton. It's, it's has to do with healthcare and making sure that certain details are, you know, kept appropriately and things like that. But there's all of, you know, as most legislation, like it's hard to understand, it impacts different industries. And a lot of people don't know how to become compliant. <clears throat> and the reason I'm pulling this one up is because, so I had a call with a coworker 
couple months ago and he his uh, fiance works in she's like a therapist or a psychologist and I'm just asking like you know during COVID how has this changed etc so obviously they're doing everything online and I was asking what tech they're using and they're using Zoom but one thing that was really interesting is he said you know they, they're actually only allowed to use Zoom. Zoom is the only HIPAA compliant solution on the market and so I just thought, found that so interesting like every single app out there literally cannot sell to certain industries because they're not HIPAA compliant. And they probably don't even, they either don't know that they're not HIPAA compliant or they don't know how to become HIPAA compliant. So you can easily just create, you know, a service that says, hey, you actually approach these companies. Hey, did you know that you're actually losing out on sales in all of these industries because you're literally not allowed to sell to these individuals? So I think that's one interesting thing. But you could also, you know, pass HIPAA, do the same thing where you basically hire a couple lawyers, you track what legislation is coming to fruition in the next like three months, six months, whatever. And then you are the first mover and you basically say, hey, I know exactly what you're like, you know, PPP recently. I know exactly what you need to do with PPP. Here's the like three, two, one of what you need to do. And you just create that as a service and you're just like the first mover on any new legislation for companies. Okay. Those are two different ideas that are both pretty interesting. The HIPAA compliant one is kind of cool. That's a that's pretty easy to do, right? I mean, that's a very simple, this is a very simple business to pull off, I would imagine, right? Because it's like a, it's like a checklist to become HIPAA compliant, right? I think it's simpler than people think, but if you're not an expert, you're like, where do I start? That's pretty cool. How do I know if I'm compliant, et cetera? There's, um, when I had an alcohol business, you, there is a company that you pay money and they make sure your online sales are compliant with laws regarding alcohol. I don't know if they did well, but it's, it's a similar idea. What did Abreu just share? I think he's sharing some examples of HIPAA compliance as a service. I've seen some startups that do this as well. Um, so this is definitely an idea that is in motion. And then there's other versions of this, like um, there's companies like WorkOS and others that are providing for developers. Uh, you know, If you develop a, a piece of software that you want to be enterprise ready, um, you have to do you know, SOC 2 compliance and SSO sign on, you know, make that available. And this is just like a bunch of repetitive grunt, grunt work that you, you know, a developer would have to do just to be able to handle enterprises and pass their security audit. And so um, these companies are doing really, really well, basically just providing those as you know, services to any developer who wants to pass the enterprise security audit and offer enterprise level features out of the box. I love those businesses. That company I linked is huge. They, they just top think 5,000. They have thousands of employees and they kind of do a similar thing to what you guys are talking about. Just like making, making sure companies are GDPR compliant, stuff like that. Yeah. They raised $200 million at $1.3 billion valuation. Holy moly. One trust. One trust. Um, okay. Uh, I like and, it. And what was the second one? Wait, one trust. Oh, wow. One Trust was the number one fastest growing company. Oh, One Trust was number one on Inc. 5000. Hmm. Pretty cool. Well, let me let me By throw way, out Sam, another is, idea. Is, is Inc. 5000 like basically some bullshit like Forbes 30 to 30? Or is it like, what does number one mean? Is yeah. that like actually in some objective way or is it? Yeah. So uh, Inc. 5000, you might need to pay money to submit yourself, but it's all you have to submit yourself and you have to submit... Uh, the trailing three years of financials. So it's, it's not bullshit like Forbes or just like who, you know, it is entirely objective, but it's bullshit in the sense of it's only for people who submit themselves. Right. One trust them. is not actually number one necessarily, but they are amongst the people who, who, who submitted on some rank. They, they ranked at the top. Okay. Yeah. yeah and, 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 
and it's like it tells you their growth so in their case it says 48,000 percent three-year growth and like they so that's verified by Inc. Sorry, Steph, go ahead. No, it's okay. We did an analysis of Inc. And there's like a surprising number of people who are on, who have been on it for like 10 years. And you're like, okay, there can't be this many companies that are actually at the top of, you know, everything for that many years. And so it is like Sam saying it, people have to submit to it. It's not the top of everything. Yeah. Very few Silicon Valley companies too, which is interesting. I'm assuming that's what I'm saying. Like, is this, how can this be the indicative list if it doesn't have most of, you know, the high growth tech startups on there? Uh, but it doesn't matter. Okay. You know, whatever, who cares about Inc. Inc. 5000? Um, tell me about this uh, subreddit. Uh, you know, what, what do you, what do you, what are you doing when you lurk around Reddit? Because I think that's a, an area where there's a ton of signal and I know you guys look at it for trends. So Steph, tell me what you've been seeing on, on Reddit. Yeah. So I, I specifically was calling out a tool. It's called on Vaca, we're gonna to have to link it in the in the show notes because it's it's a pretty gnarly URL. But basically, it's this amazing tool. So I know there's tools like subreddit stats and other things that I'll say like, hey, this subreddit has X number of people on it, or these are the keywords that are trending. But this one I love because you enter any subreddit into it, and so just like you can start with anything super broad. Like if you start with r slash digital nomad, you enter that into there, and then it just gives you this like mind map of like of people interested in this subreddit, like what are all of the nodes um, that are related to this? And then of those nodes, like what are the like niche subreddits related to that? And it's this amazing, just like, you know, mind map again of like where you can discover ideas. And so just to give you an example, if you look up r slash longevity, you're like, okay, longevity is like, I understand what that is, but like some of the things that come up as like related stuff, there's like microbiome, nootropics, dark futurology, transhumanism, singularity, and you're like, whoa, like, okay, that, that's really interesting. Like, what are those things? And you like double click on that. And, and it's just like this wormhole where that I think is really interesting, not just to like go get ideas, but if, for example, you're creating something to do with like, you know, longevity, you're trying to understand your users better. You're trying to understand like, who is this person that I'm trying yeah. to attract? And then you try, you get like a, a wider view of like, your t- your type of individual your users not just this like niche thing like they're interested in longevity you're like oh they're actually you know probably super technical and you know interested in things like singularity and they're probably developers and they care about their health because they're looking up stuff like fitness and nootropics and so i think it's just this amazing tool that i think more people should use i love this i think this is really neat i would use this if i was paying buying advertising places so like, i typed in flexibility and there's another one called that i'd never heard of called overcoming gravity there's another one called grip training and there's another one called uh progress it's pretty funny yeah it's I just typed in a I just typed in a not safe for work one and it's amazing what just came out of it. Right. <laughs> a whole world I didn't even know about. There's some terms in here I'm gonna have to Google after this. Uh, wow, this is crazy. Yeah, I did one of those too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. I like this. Um, what would you use this for immediately? Uh, the first thing that came to mind was if you're running Reddit ads, this tells you what other niche subreddits you could target or post content into. Um, other than that, I think, you know, for me, the most interesting part about uh, Reddit is if, if because I, I care about like, you know, what's actionable. So like, this is cool because it's so simple and it gives you a simple output. Um, it doesn't give you like the best output ever, but it took like two seconds to do. So it didn't take much input. Um, what I really like is the, you know, the subscriber growth. And if I could ever figure out the, um, like the ranks, uh, sorry, like the retention. So basically 
you know, on every subreddit, it shows you kind of like how many are currently on the, um, the page. And so what I like is the ratio of like total subscribers uh, to how many people are currently on the page. Cause that's kind of the engagement levels. And it, what I've found is that, you know, the subreddits where there's a lot of opportunity are the ones where that ratio is really, really high, where you're, you're able to get a lot of engagement per, uh, per subscriber to the community. So one way to do that, it's, it's manual. So what I've been doing is I use this tool to kind of like scope out things. And then if you go to subreddit stats, you enter a subreddit and it'll tell you the rank and all this stuff. But as you're saying, it, what matters is like who's active. Is it more active now than yesterday versus a year before? So you can see how subscribers change over time. But there's also this feature where you can see the most popular posts. And you can see that within the last year versus all time, et cetera. And you can basically see like, A, like in the last year, are there popular posts? Um, and are those posts more popular than the ones from the prior year? And so that's kind of like a quick gut check to be like, is this actually more engaged with or is it just, you know, kind of dead subscribers on this? Right. And Steph, you, uh, you're one of the writers or you're the main writer for trends. Um, was. So, was, okay. Uh, what happened? You don't write for trends anymore? <laughs> no, I, I lead the product, so I don't write as much anymore. Yeah. Oh, death by promotion. Okay. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> so, so give me, uh, so if you don't subscribe to trends, go put your credit card down and, and it's basically like this podcast, but better and written format. So it's easier to, to consume. Um, Go, give me something from this week's uh, uh, tr uh, trans or maybe last last couple of weeks that, that stood out to you that you're like, oh, that's actually really cool. That's a really cool opportunity for somebody. So I'm going to call it a quick one just because it's timely and it's something that, you know, everyone's obsessed with the markets. But one of the cool things that Ethan, one of our analysts found is this thing. Uh, it's basically the site that tracks all insider trades. And so if you yeah. are an executive somewhere, you need to by law report any trades that you do um, above a certain amount, I believe. And so it's the site that just tracks all of these things um, or all of these insider trades of people selling, buying, et cetera. You can see exactly who it is, exactly what their title is. And I think there was this quote of from that Ethan found, which is like, you, you don't know exactly why someone sells, but you always know why someone buys. And if someone buys, it's because they think the price is going to go up. And if they're an insider, you know, it's not foolproof. This is definitely not financial advice, but it's, it's a signal that for whatever reason, whatever they know inside is, is, leaning towards positive. And so what I think would be cool is if someone just took all of that information and they just created like an insider trade smart alert system um, that you could configure based on certain industries of stocks that you're interested in. You could track certain stocks. If you, you know, if I'm really interested, I think Cloudflare is an amazing company. If I could just know every time there's an insider trade for Cloudflare and it would just text me. Um, I'm not saying that it would be super actionable, but I think that would be a neat little project. And in general, I think that site is, is super interesting. So interesting. We should do this for one. It is so interesting. And this week's one, Sean, was public storage, the daughter of the founder who, I don't know if she's a chairman now or what she is, but she uh, bought tens of millions of dollars of public storage stock, right? Mm -hmm. um, that, that's kind of amazing. Uh, all right. We're down 3% today. <laughs> storage. <laughs> is it? Uh, but that's okay. Maybe she yeah, knows it's down, down a little bit today. That's she's buying. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's interesting. Um, I, uh, that's my, one of my favorite section lately is the insider trades. I don't, I'm not going to buy any of the stock because I don't buy any stock but, or no one-off stock, but that's crazy cool because it was just cool to learn about it. Yeah, you don't even need to buy stock. But yeah, for example, of like the storage space, it's like, oh, okay, well, this person obviously thinks this, their company is going to do great. 
what does their company do? What's the gap that maybe exists outside of that company within storage? And like, you know, could I create a company there? So I think that in general is like just a signal of like insiders that, you know, you can't get if you're not paying attention. So I think that could be, someone should create that. I would subscribe to that. So I'll tell you my insider trading story. So I, uh, I accidentally did an insider trade uh, not too long ago where I, uh, I sold a bunch of my Amazon stock and um, or I bought or I sold or whatever. I did a transaction. And then I, real, I remembered, I was like, oh shit, there's a, a window in which, because technically I'm an Amazon employee, there's a window in which I'm allowed to do this. And it's, you know, the trading window opens up once every quarter or something like that. And that's the time when you could do this. And I was doing, I, I had done it outside the trading window. And I was like, damn it, this is how I die. You know, I, I go down for insider trading of all things. I didn't even have any info. And so then I, I email our, our, our uh, general counsel and I was like, hey, um, you know, I did this. Uh, you know, I don't know if this is going to trigger, you know, a SWAT team outside my door in five minutes, but, uh, you know, hope, hope we can figure this out. And then, and I was really worried. Um, I was like, like more worried than I probably should have been. And then he <laughs> emails me back like 10 minutes later and he's like, like, don't worry, you don't have any insider info. <laughs> I was like, I was like, hey. Left-handed compliment. Yeah, I was like, fuck you. Uh, you don't know what I know. You don't know what I do. And so I got really, uh, then I was upset for the other reason. And But at least I'm off the hook and I'm not in jail. There was a, what was it? A funny story. A friend worked at a company and uh, her, uh, she had her laptop on her computer. A friend of, it was a friend of a friend. She had her laptop on her computer and her boyfriend, this was her story, went and looked over at it and saw the numbers and he went and uh, shorted the stock and he made a quarter of a million dollars and they arrested him for it. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. But it has to be happening all the time. All the time. It has to be happening all the fucking time. There's no way, uh, there's no way that this stuff is, is I, like I remember I had a, I have a, a, a friend who worked at, in a hedge fund in New York and I don't know if this is true or not. I don't, I don't even know if he was just kind of like, I don't know, exaggerating but he's like every monday there was a manila folder that would show up under our door and he's like we paid a lot of money for this manila folder and inside this manila folder was some information and he's like every hedge fund had this manila was, was getting this manila folder and he didn't tell me anything else he didn't need to tell me anything else i was like say no more you know i love a good conspiracy when i hear one uh, I, i'll infer the rest from here sure they they we, we know haven't you seen the tv show billions we know they already do that um all right, can I bring up one idea that I saw? So uh, last week, apparently I shit on something called the Gen Z Mafia. I didn't mean to shit. I didn't mean to shit on it. More so, I was making fun of the article because uh, I have no idea what it is, but I did shit on it, so I'll own up to that. But I apologize, kind of. Um, but anyway, one of the kids reached out to me. So Gen Z Mafia stuff, it's this group of, I guess, Gen Z people who have yep. like a Slack channel or something. What? Yeah, they have a Discord, I think, or a Slack. A Discord, and they just like are building stuff. And one of the kids reached out to me, which is pretty cool. And I just, he, I don't have any insider information, but on his profile, this kid, he, he must be 20 years old. He has this website called Fion Tech. So it's Fion, F-I-O-N dot tech. And the headline is detect wildfires before they start, stop them before they spread. And he's building it's just fascinating. He's building technology to help you uh, track and predict when and where fi wildfires are going to start. And 
Uh, it looks like he's going to sell to hedge funds and people like that. Crazy fascinating. I did, some, I did a little bit of research. There are people in this space, obviously, um, and they, some of them are, are meaningfully big, hundreds of millions in sales, it looks like. But crazy cool that A, this young kid is doing this, and B, that this exists. Pretty cool if they can pull it off. Yeah, That's how awesome. are they doing this? How are they getting the info? Uh, it says that they have 12 or 15 data sources and they kind of use those data sources to pre pre predict what's going to happen. Okay. So I just joined the Gen Z mafia discord cause they had invited basically when you shit on it and I was like standing up for them, they were like, yeah, fuck Sam. And we love Sean. And so I got an invite to it yesterday. So I just, I just joined it. Let me tell you my experience as I joined. So first I joined and immediately I just had to sign the code of conduct. So it's a discord. It's a discord. I had to sign a code of contact, which has been signed by 1,169 people. Um, there's a, okay, on the right, there's the council, which is the admins, I think. Um, there's the ministry of building, which is another group, 16 people online right now. Um, yeah, this is crazy. There's a lot of people in here. And I think like, this is awesome like what they're thousands. doing. Like, this is what I wish I was doing when I was like 17 years old. Like, this would have been way better than just sitting there and playing NBA 2K all day. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And I, I actually, I wasn't shitting on them because I don't, I, have no, I don't know anything about them. But that article was horrible. And the guy wrote to me, he goes, yeah, that article was horrible. She totally, it was by that one journalist that, uh, that Balaji guy hates. But and she, he was like, yeah, she totally over-exaggerated X, Y, and Z. Uh, so it was just the article. But super fascinating group, right? Yeah, it's great. Uh, so, okay, I'm going to hang out in here and I'll report back. I'll tell you if it's, if it's great. I'll tell you if it's just okay or I'll tell you if it sucks. Is are it they, awesome? Uh, Go ahead, Seth. Are they all working on their own projects or what's, what are they doing? Um, well, I think it's like anything, like any group. Like some people are actively working on something. Some people are like toying with something. And then a lot of people right. are just kind of hanging out and, you know, waiting for them to, inspiration to strike, I guess. Right. Well, this ties into one of the ideas that you guys have actually talked about before, how like, um, so he, let me break this down. So one of the things that you guys have talked about, and I agree with is that corporate training or anything like that, any sort of like educational, um, thing that happens within large companies sucks. And in general, even, um, you know, education in general is, is like lacking in terms of it not being like entertaining and, and not captivating like young people. So what I think people should do, these like large, like corporate training uh, companies is go and like hire a bunch of these Gen Zers to create basically like a like hype videos, but also to like make the actual training more like a game versus, you know, what it is now that, you know, no one actually wants to go through. Um, and what actually made me really think of this is Sam, I know you saw, did you see the nuclear energy girl, Sean? No. Who's this? Z so she's, let me pull up her actual. Is this like uh, someone on TikTok? No, it's she, I, she's on TikTok, but I saw it on Twitter, but um, so her Twitter um, handle is Isa, I-S-A-B-O-E-M-E-K-E. -E -E. Like, I'll just send this to you right now. But um, anyway, she created this, like, amazing kind of, like, TikTok video about... Uh, oh, yeah. And how, how it works, like, why it's actually really chill and, and why it's better than most other energy forms. And it was, like, the best example I've seen of someone taking, like, a relatively boring topic that most people don't want to engage with and making it like so compelling. And so I think these companies should go hire this girl, Isabel, other people go hire them, say, I'm going to pay you like 10 K to go like make a couple of videos about, you know, whatever they're trying to train their, their employees on. And 
I think it would kill it. Or, or you know, a holding company could do this as well. But you know what I mean? Like, I just think these Gen Zers are so good at actually making content that people want to engage with. It's unfortunately just often not about uh, things that are, you know, important in the world. But yeah, I think someone should do this. Did, you didn't see this video, Sean? No, uh, but when I, <laughs> but you described it great. And I'm looking at it now. Um, and this She's is weird. Like, She's weird. She's so but, weird and awesome. She looks like an AI like character or something. Um, and it looks like, you know, like little Michaela or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I think this is actually a really genius content idea that I'm going to probably do. Um, maybe I'll do it pseudonymously and then, you know, uh, but too late, I already just outed myself. So I, I think it'd be really hilarious if you just hire, you know, you know that scene in the movie, uh, The Big Short. So great movie. And then there's this one scene where they're trying to explain like, um, mortgage-backed securities or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And then it like cuts to like, I forgot who, like some actress or some model sitting in a bathtub. Selena Gomez, I think. I don't think it's Selena Gomez, but- Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in one and then Margot Robbie's in another. Margot Robbie is the one who, 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 who I was thinking of. Uh, it's like her in a bathtub with champagne with her like leg out. And then she just explains this like really boring topic, but she's like really sexy. So you're like, oh, gra uh, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm entertained enough to, to go through this. Uh, I think somebody should just make, you know, hot models teaching science um, as like a, a YouTube or TikTok channel. And uh, I think you just do extremely, extremely well um, just off that like combination and how controversial slash viral it would be. Yeah. One more thing I'll throw out there related to this. Have you guys heard of art school? Art no. S-Q-O-O-L. No, tell us about it. It's uh, this guy who I follow on Twitter who's like amazing, like creative genius. His name is Julian Glander. And he created this thing called Art School, which is basically this online game, which is kind of like a parody of actual art school in that, you know, people joke that in real art school, you pay a bunch of money and you don't learn anything. And so he created this like online world where, you know, you have this like character, I think his name like Froshman or something. And you go around and you learn about art and you actually learn about art through this art AI that grades your art which is another parody on like how art is actually graded, but you actually do learn about art and you, um, you know, it, it is actually like a school. And I thought this was just like a genius example of how you could turn learning into a game that people actually want to engage with. And in general, I just wanted to, you know, shout out Julian because his stuff is awesome. His, okay. I went to the website, his, he has a sales video on Vimeo and this is a good way to figure out how big something is, is you, if you click through and look at the video on Vimeo, you can see how many views it has or on YouTube. And you could like see like what the engagement is 35,000 views. A lot of people are buying this. It's $5 to buy this game. This kid is awesome. Dude. Gen Z is so cool. <laughs> hey, don't, don't try to amazing. make up for it now. No, don't try to make up for it now. No, you really I know how you feel about Gen Z. <laughs> I have proof. I've written this in our Slack. I said, everyone at Gen Z dresses cool and is good looking and they can all dance well. This is what I, I've, I've been on TikTok enough to know this. Uh, th this, like, they all wear vans and like cool hoodies and have like great skin and badass hair. Uh, great skin and they like how, how like, do teens have great skin now <laughs> dude i don't know they all look like rihanna they're just like cool looking um but like the, look at this website it's like it's like a cool kid made it they're like the nerds are cool <laughs> the nerds are cool
Oh, we should just end the podcast on that rant. That was amazing. Have you used TikTok? I, I have, but TikTok is like, you know, the, the one cool kid who gets famous on, like the feed is like the best of, it's not like what everybody is. No, they're all creative. <laughs> they're so creative. Gen Z is so creative. It's because they just grew up with Instagram. They're just, they just, God, I love Gen Z. Although they are all like de- <laughs> depressed and they don't have sex either. You know what are they depressed about? I thought they're good looking with great skin and creativity. <laughs> Why are they depressed? Well, they only look like that because they compare themselves to one another all the time. I'm telling you, Gen Z has like a massive depression problem and the guys aren't horny. Like that's like a thing. Like, <laughs> no, for real. Like I went to a, this sounds so old. I went to a conference and we had a whole session on Gen Z and they're like the rate at which they're having sex is super low. Right. You know, what's interesting about that is like, I think our society just in general is, is going towards a, like Japan. Japan's been like this for many decades, right? They do everything online. Like, you know, dudes don't like hang sterile. out with anyone. They're like, you know, stuff like yeah. that, which has been going on in Japan for years. I think we, Japan is like the perfect place to just look and be like, what's trending in Japan or what trended in Japan like five, 10 years ago. Hold um, on, I wanna, Steph, I want to hear you describe dudes in Japan again without like you were navigating the tripwires there. Go, go ahead and try that again. <laughs> well, there are dudes in Japan who, uh, no, there's a ton of guys who literally like, there's an abnormal number of single guys uh, in Japan who don't yeah, actually, like, you know, see like, other people. They well, just they stay like at home. fall in love with like these avatars. Dude, I'm telling you, I, so, that's yes. weird. So my friend uh, Nikita, he uh, he's he's a great follow on Twitter. His, his handle's like Nikita Beer or something like that. Nikita underscore Beer B I E R, and uh, he created that app TBH that Facebook bought, and you know it's just like kind of this goofy teen app or whatever. And um, he always he's great because he just shits on like uh, a lot of the mainstream stuff. He's like. Basically, he's tweeted something out like, you know, all the nerds in Silicon Valley arguing over Notion versus Rome. Uh, forget that nobody, nobody fucking takes notes. <laughs> like nobody, no, no real person takes notes outside of like our bubble. Um, and like, that's not what's interesting or what's hot to like people. And, <laughs> and so I like how he says like, these are very provocative things. Um, another one that like, to me came to mind, that's like of that mindset is, uh, I was looking at like a bunch of internet stats, internet traffic stats, and the the conclusion I came to was um, everybody talks how they want to talks about how they want to meditate, but nobody meditates. Everybody masturbates, and like that's if you know if you take away one thought about building products for people, try to build the thing that people actually want to do, and not the like cool virtue signaling uh, thing that 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 really in, in actuality very few people are doing. That's all. That's awesome. He did that tweet was that was that tweet well loved that was me that one was the second part was me but it's channeling my inner nikita because i've just been reading his stuff and loving it you came up with this whole masturbate and said meditate idea that's a good yeah, one dude i just broke ground right here that, that was the first there time it's go. ever been said <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> that, that that okay we're gonna run with that at a, in a, at a different point i gotta think about that that's the title of the podcast <laughs> people don't meditate they <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, it's definitely true. Um, I think we're going to wrap up, right? We're, yeah, we're at the I, hour. I My trainer's here. I'm excited. All right. Thank you, Steph. Uh, Sweet. We, Thanks for having me. This is fun. You, you and we went through like a third of your document. So you can come back on, uh, you know, every couple of weeks and we can just finish this document at some point. I'm game for that. You did the heavy lifting. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>